Now, the title of my message this evening is Praise Him. Amen? Now, praise Him in the morning. Praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him when the sun goes down. Uh, it means to praise Him when you rise up. Praise Him when you lie down and Praise them all throughout the in-between because how many of you know it is always a good time to praise the Lord? Amen? It's good to praise them in the sunshine. It's good to praise them in the rain. I don't know if your life is sunny right now. I don't know if your life is gray. But regardless of the season you're in, it's a good time to praise the Lord. Amen? It's good to praise them in the plenty and it's good to praise them in the lack. It's good to praise Him when I feel good. It's even better to praise Him when I don't. It's good to praise Him when everything's going my way. And it's good to praise Him when it seems like everything's falling apart, church. It's good to praise Him when the road is smooth. And it's even good to praise Him when it's rough. And that's exactly why David said, I will bless the Lord at all times and His praises will continually be on my lips. Because in the spirit and in the mind and in the heart of David, he understood that it was always a good time to praise the Lord. If you look through all of the Psalms, you'll find that David's life was just filled with praise. There wasn't a time in his life, whether it was a good time or a bad time, that David's life wasn't an example of praise. Church, it's always good time to praise the Lord because he always deserves our praise. Amen? As a matter of fact, praise is so important to God that he says in Psalms 150, verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen? Everything that has life, everything that has breath, everything that has a spirit within him or her or it, the Bible says, let them praise the Lord, church, because God desires our praise. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. He used the word let there, and in the Hebrew it means to make room for. It means to make way for. It's the same exact word God used at the beginning of time when he said, let there be light, and the universe made room for light. And what the Word of God is teaching us here when it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, he's saying everything that has breath. Everything that has life, everything that has a spirit within it ought to make way for praises to God. It ought to make room for praises unto our Father. And that's what this message is all about this evening. It's all about praising Him. It's what I want to look at tonight, and I'm going to look at it next week. Uh, because I believe that we can get better at praising God. Amen? Look, I know I can, and this is why I'm bringing this word, because I know life has a way of beating you down. Life has a way of, of making you sad and, and overwhelming you. But in the midst of all of that, what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is to praise Him in the midst of it all. Let everything, amen, that has breath praise the Lord, because He's worthy of our praise. It doesn't matter what's going on in this direction in our life. That direction's always worthy of praise. Whether it's raining down here, he still deserves praise up there. Whether it's rough down here, he still deserves praise up there. Whether I'm sick down here, he still deserves praise up there. Whether my road is rough down here, he still deserves praise up there. 
Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And it doesn't say when everything's good. It just reminds us and prompts us to praise the Lord. And that's what I want to look at tonight and next week. And if I don't finish next week, we'll go to the following week as well. Amen? Right. We'll just go as long as the Holy Spirit wants us to. But before we go to the Word, one more time, let's go to the, to the Lord in prayer. Amen? So, Father God, we thank you that you are in this place tonight, God. And we thank you that we've not gathered in vain, but we've gathered in the name of the Most High God. And I thank you, Father God, that you have a word for us this evening. I thank you that you're here to teach us and instruct us and encourage us and build us up in the Most High Faith, God. You're here to sow some seeds of life into our spirits, God. And I pray as, ever, as I always do every week, God, that you would anoint me. Now, Father God, that you would take control and authority over my mind, my mouth, my body, everything that's done, God, that it would be yielded to you. I pray that everyone here, God, and everyone that would be listening, I pray, Father, that you would arrest them as well. Arrest their minds and their hearts that they might receive with gladness, God, the words that you have for us today. Against every hindering spirit, all the distractions, Father God, and the heaviness and hurt of the weak and the cares of life, I, I pray that they would be put aside so we could learn how to praise you. Careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And everybody said, amen. The body of my message this evening and probably over the next couple weeks or at least next week is based on Psalm 150. If you don't know, it is the final psalm written by David, and we'll look at that in more detail next week. But I want us to read it, and this is what it says. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And he ends again by saying, praise the Lord. 13 times in these six short verses were prompted to praise. If there's a message that the Holy Spirit and the Lord is trying to get across in Psalm 150, it's for us, his people, to praise him. Amen? Praise him whatever circumstance or situation that we might find ourselves in. But the, the message and the series that I'll be looking at is based on that, Psalm 150, and our call and prompting to praise him. But the first thing that I want us to see is that the whole chapter, it begins and ends with a call or a command or a prompting to praise him. It doesn't matter what's going on in the life of the reader at the moment. The prompting is to praise him. You see, the reality is every one of us could pick up, pick up the Bible and read Psalm 50 in a different season in our life. 
One of you could pick it up tomorrow and read it and your life is falling apart. Another one could pick up the Bible and read Psalm 50 and everything is peachy keen. One of you could pick up the Bible and read Psalm 150 and your family is fractured or your finances are failing or, or some other tragedy might be taking place in your life. You could pick up the Bible and read Psalm 150 and you feel like you're on the mountaintop. But whatever state you find yourself in when you read, Psalm 150, the Holy Spirit encourages us to praise the Lord. Amen? That's what the, the topic is, and that's what it originates with, with a prompting and a command to praise the Lord. It reminds us that whatever state we might be in, whatever conditions might surround us, whatever your lot in life might be, whatever trial or tribulation or, or trouble we might be encountering, the, the psalmist here is encouraging us and reminding us that it's a good time to stop and praise the Lord. It's a good time. Listen, how many of you know it's always a good time to stop and praise the Lord? When you're driving down the road, and the traffic just begins to get at your last nerve. And when the temperature starts to rise and your blood begins to boil, it's a good time to stop and praise the Lord. Amen? You know, now when my wife reads this or hears this message, she's going to remind me of that every time we drive down the road and she senses my, my blood begin to boil with all those foolish drivers surrounding me. She's going to remind me, Jeff, it's a good time to stop and praise the Lord. Amen? Listen, when you're at home and an argument breaks out and tempers begin to rise and your spirit begins to become spoiled, it's a good time to stop and praise the Lord. If you're in a conflict with your spouse, if you're in an argument or a conflict with your kids, it's a good time to stop and just praise the Lord. Honey, look, we're not going to go down this road. I think it's a good time for us to stop and just praise the Lord. Son or daughter, look, I don't want to get caught up in this conversation. I, I don't want it to turn into an argument that's filled with bitterness. So why don't we all just stop and praise the Lord? I know that might seem sound foreign to a lot of you, but this is what Psalm 150 teaches us. It's the final instruction of the psalmist. And the final instruction that he gives to us that whatever lot in life we might find ourselves in, whatever season or circumstance, it's a good time to stop and praise the Lord. When it feels like your life is upside down and the devil is whispering in your ear that you're not going to survive this, listen to me, it's a good time to stop and praise the Lord. When your thoughts are filled with chaos, when your thoughts are filled with confusion, church, when, you, when your thoughts are filled with, with uh, chaos and, and they're cluttered, it's a, it's a good time to stop and just praise the Lord and to bring some clarity back to your thoughts, church. Listen, how many of you know when we begin to praise the Lord, it just has a way of changing our spirits, has a way of changing our mind, it even has a way of changing our speech, because when we're praising, we can't grumble. When we're praising, we can't complain. When we're praising God, we can't be Mr. Negative or, or, or Mrs. Negative when we're praising the Lord, church. Reality is, when all of the odds are against us, and we feel overwhelmed and we feel overwrought. Psalm 150 teaches us that it's a good time to just stop and praise the Lord. Listen, the truth is we should always be prepared to praise. Amen? 
How many of you know we should always be prepared to praise? We, we shouldn't wait till Sunday morning to put on some praise. We shouldn't wait till Wednesday night to put on some praise. We should be, be, be prepared to praise at all times, just like David was. Listen, I know it's not always easy. It's not always easy. I'll just be honest. It's not always easy for me to praise, church. But the reality is praise should be our default position and attitude towards God. It should be our default position and attitude in this world. You know, and I don't want to get too off of it, but you know what default means. It means, it means the, the, the first go-to position. You have a computer that messes up, and it'll ask you if you want to restore it or, or you, uh, to, to its default settings. You got that on your phone. It clears out all the mess, and it starts all over at the default position. You know, when you have a computer and you want to print stuff out, you have to select the, the default printer. So it's the first thing that the, the job goes to. That's the way it should be with us. Our default position should be praise. Our default attitude towards the world and in this world and in the midst of our mess should be praise. When, when everything gets sour inside, we should revert to that default position of praising God has the power to change our circumstance and our situation, church. When think, but, but it's tough sometimes. <clears throat> the reality is the very reason that David tells us to praise the Lord in Psalm 150 is because in the natural, in the natural, praise isn't easy. In the flesh, praise is not our default position. You know what our default position in the flesh is? It's grumbling. Yeah. It's complaining. It's whining. That's what it is. That's our default position in the flesh. But when we become filled with the Spirit of God, when we become sons and daughters of the Most High God, when we become born again, when we become part of the family of God, our default position in the Spirit should be one of praise, church. Praise the Lord, David said. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. But the reality is when things go wrong, when life gets tough, when it feels like the, the world comes crashing in, church, in the natural, we want to sing this sad song. Amen? We want to have ourselves a little pity party, and we want as many people to join us as can, church. Uh, we don't want to praise when in the, in the flesh when things go wrong. We want to have ourselves a little pity party that's full of candles that we can blow out, church. We want to grumble and we want to complain. But in Psalm 150, David interrupts that carnal condition and he calls us to praise the Lord instead. He calls us to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And how many of you know that grumbling creates a heavy spirit? You know, the, when he talks about a heavy spirit, it doesn't just mean I got a heavy spirit because something tragic happened in my life. A, a heavy spirit comes on you when you grumble, and a heavy spirit comes on you when you complain, and a heavy spirit comes on you when you get all negative in, in your speech and negative in your thinking. And what David encourages us to do, he says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, church. Listen, the reality is life is going to be filled with moments where we have to change our spiritual clothes, amen? 
Life is going to be filled, every single one of us, where, where we should, as sons and daughters of God, be conscious of the fact that it's time for me to change my spiritual clothes. When, I, when I'm wearing grumbling, I need to be aware it's time to change my clothes and put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of grumbling. I might need to change my clothes out of, out of a, from a spirit of, of complaining to a spirit of praise. But the reality is life will always be filled with moments and seasons where we have to be responsible enough and sensitive enough to the, to the voice and the leading of our Holy Spirit where we need to change our clothes. Times when we have to take off bitterness. Times when we have to take off resentment. Times when we have to take off wrath. Times when we have to take off those things that, that, that don't fit us as Christians and put on the garment of praise instead. The reality is there may be some of us here this evening that need to go home tonight and, and visit their spiritual clothes closet and dig up a garment of praise. They need to strip off some stuff, the grumbling and the complaining and the fretting and the, and the negativism. And listen, church, sometimes that's me. Sometimes I'm the one that needs to take off those clothes and put on the right garments, church, because that's what we should all do as sons and daughters of God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord is what he said. Everything that has breath. Everything that has life, praise the Lord. Listen, how many of you know I can't praise for you? Amen. You can't praise for me. Amen. That's why he said, let everything, meaning everyone, every man, every woman, everything with a spirit, let them praise the Lord. I can't praise for you. I can't worship for you. You can't praise for me and you can't worship for me. We have to do it ourselves. We are responsible for praising all on our own. Regardless, listen, regardless of who praises with me. There's times in your life where you'll be surrounded by, by the devil himself. You'll, you'll be surrounded by demons and you'll be surrounded by darkness. There won't be a brother or sister in Christ. There won't be a mommy, won't be a daddy, won't be a pastor, won't be someone there that can worship with you. But the word of God in Psalm 150 still calls you to praise and calls me to praise as well. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. In the Hebrew, the word David used for praise was halal. It's from where we get the word hallelujah. We shout that word all the time. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You hear me say that a lot when I get up here and open and, and I feel the spirit moving. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's where the word, it comes from the word halal or halal is how you, you pronounce it. And it means this. When you say hallelujah, or you use the word halal or the word praise that David used here when he said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It means this. It means to boast on God. It means to rave about God. It means to celebrate the Lord. It means to, and this is going to be a big word, and I'm not using it just so you think I got big words. This is, this is what halal means in the Hebrew. It means to be clamorously foolish when it comes to celebrating God. Now, maybe you know your dictionary, but I didn't know what clamorously meant. So I needed to look up that big word so I could teach it to someone that might not know it e either. But this is what it means. It means to be full of praise. 
It means to be full of the vigorous nature of proclaiming God's greatness. And ultimately, it means this. It means to be marked by a vigorous nature of proclaiming God's greatness. Our lives, church, should be marked by praise. Our lives as sons and daughters of God should be marked with praise. When someone looks at us, they should know we're a Christian by the way we praise. In the middle of our situation, in the middle of our circumstance, they see a smile on our face. They hear a praise the Lord. They they hear a thank you, Jesus. They, They see a spirit that's full of life, church. The reality is, as sons and daughters of God and Christians, our lives should be marked with praise. Let everything that has breath be marked with praise, Paul or, or David was saying. Let everything that has breath be full, be full of a vigorous celebration of God's greatness. That's what our lives should be marked with. That's what our lives should be filled with, church, regardless of the circumstance or situation that's going on around us. Listen. When our favorite team is playing great, when our favorite team is scoring like my, mine was during the Super Bowl, the Philadelphia Eagles, but when our team is playing great, when our team is scoring, what do we do? We halal, Right? We become, listen to this, we become clamorously foolish for our team. We don't care who's listening. We don't care who's watching. We don't care if we're doing it all by ourselves. We could be sitting on the opposing team, uh, you know, on the 50-yard line or in the end zone. We could be all by ourselves. But if our team scores and our team shows up, what do we do? We halal. We become clamorously foolish for our team. We rave about our team. We boast about our team. Every time they get close to the end zone or close to scoring a run or or, or taking the lead in whatever sport it is, what do we do? We celebrate our team, church. We wear hats with their logo. We wear shirts with their logo and jerseys with their logo. We paint our faces with their logo and some people, their tummies with the logo. They're marked. With the logo of their team so everyone knows who they represent. And you know where I'm going. What David is telling us is that every son and daughter of God ought to be marked by praise. Every single life should be marked by praise. We should be marked uh, with praise who represents the team that we're on. Listen, we're part of God's family. And just like we we get clamorously foolish for our sports team, we ought to get clamorously foolish for God. We ought to make sure that we're marked with praise so that everybody that looks at our life knows that we belong to God, knows that we belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, know that we belong to the one that created the heavens and the earth with his outstretched hand. That's why we praise, church. We should be marked with praise and and full of praise, church. And what that teaches me is that halal can't be half-hearted. Halal, true praise. True halal can't be half-hearted. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
It should be praise the Lord. It should be hallelujah. It should be thank you, Jesus. Amen. And I'm not doing that just to, to be demonstrative, but the reality is, listen, because of who we are and because of what he's done, we should be clamorously foolish for God, church. We should be full of praise, full of, full of a vigorous demonstration of proclaiming God's greatness. And one of the questions I have, has God been great to you and good to you? Amen. Then we should be praising God. Amen. Listen, his praise should continually be on our lips. We should always be prepared, be prepared to praise, church. Driving down the road, on the way to work, we ought to be praising God. When I get up in the morning and I open my eyes, I ought to be praising God. When I, when I put my feet down on the floor, I, I ought to be praising God. When I get into the shower and, and I wash the body that he gave me, I ought to be praising God. When I, when I walk out the front door and, and headed to work, I, I ought to be praising God that he gave me a job. When, I, when I'm driving down the road, I ought to be praising God that he gave me a job and he gave me a car and he gave me sight to see and he gave me the mechanics to drive a vehicle. When I get to the workplace, I ought to be praising God that I got a job to go to. When I sit down at my desk, I, I ought to be praising God that I got a desk to sit down at. When I take a lunch break, I ought to be praising God. He gave me some food to eat, church. I, I ought to be praising God. It's our default position at every point and every time in life, church, we should not half-heartedly praise the Lord because he did nothing half-heartedly for us. He gave us his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's worth praising him for, church. If he did nothing else, that's worth the praise. That's worth a shout. Amen? Listen. Let his praises continually be on our lips. Let it not be half-hearted. Look, you can't praise like this. Not according to halal. You can't halal like this. It is a demonstration, a vigorous demonstration of God's greatness, church, and our appreciation for his greatness. When we're cheering a team, man, we're all over the place. Amen. But you can't halal half-heartedly. You can't halal with your hands in your pocket and your mouth closed tight. You can't. Well, that's not my nature. That's not who I am. Well, that might not be your nature and it might not be who you are, but I'm going to tell you the truth tonight that if you have the Spirit of God in you, you should halal. You should halal. I don't care if you're timid. I don't care if you're brash like me. I don't care whether you come from the north or the south, the east or the west, church. If you're a born-again believer, marked with the blood of Jesus Christ, halal should not be half-hearted. Amen? Amen. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, and we should always be prepared to praise. Let me give you a little bit of spiritual instruction here. Because how many of you know that that God is a God of order. He does everything in order. 
Uh, so I want to give you a little bit of instruction because I've seen, I've seen this teaching uh, in the lives of people go south real fast. And I've seen it to this extent or heard of it to this extent. Someone's in a big-time business meeting. Millions of dollars or thousands of dollars are hanging in the balance of this business meeting, and, and, and the believer decides right in the middle of that business meeting, I'm going to halal. I'm going to begin to shout and praise and dance and jump up and down and look like a fool in the eyes of the, the people in this meeting. Listen, I'm telling you, it's always a good time to halal, but when it comes to a business meeting like this that I might be referring to, that God has appointed for a time to bless you, my suggestion is you halal before you go, and you halal when the deal is done. You don't halal in the middle where everybody thinks you're a fool and you lose the deal that God would put right there in front of you. You understand what I'm saying, church? I mean, the reality is we got to use a little bit of wisdom if you're in the middle of a job interview that you've been praying for and fasting for. And looking forward to and need in order to meet the bills that you have. And God's ordained that moment in time. You halal before you go and you halal when the job is yours. Don't begin to halal right there in front of the guy that's going to hire you. He, you might be clamorously foolish for the Lord, but he's just going to think that you're a clamoring fool. You understand what I'm saying, church? What I'm talking about when, when we... When we when we hear the words that your praises will continually be on my lips, we still have to just gauge that with the fact that we got to use some wisdom. That the Spirit of God, that God's not the author of confusion. We can't create a confusing moment and then wonder why it all fell apart. Now listen. In your spirit, certainly you can be praising God. You can halal out loud before you go into that meeting. You can halal all you want when you come out. And you, can, you really can just be praising God at a different level. Listen, there's seven different ways to praise God. Halal is this big outside praise. There's an inner praise and worship that you can experience. That's what you need to revert to when you're in that meeting. That's what you need to revert to when you're in that job interview. You need to revert to that quiet inside praise so you just don't come across like a fool. Amen? I just wanted to throw that out there just for a teaching to bring some clarity. But when you look at Psalm 150, <clears throat> it teaches us five things about praise. And those are the five things that we're going to look at over the next one, two, three weeks. Number one, when to praise. Number two, who to praise. Number three, where to praise. Number four, why to praise. And number five, how to praise. When you read Psalm 150, it gives you the answer and the instructions and the direction for all five of those things. In my intro, we've already learned the when to praise, which is all the time, church. In every season and in, in every circumstance, we should be prepared to praise. Amen? Every time that we walk out that door, that, that God decides to give us life and breath, Every day that we walk out that door, we should be prepared to praise no matter what comes our way. No matter what difficulties, no matter what successes, no matter what trials or triumphs we go through, we should be prepared to praise on that day. And I'm going to teach you why as we move forward, church. But the reality is, listen, if you look at verse 1 once again, you'll see that David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he interrupts the reader's life. And he calls them to praise. 
Whatever is going on in your life, whatever season you might be in, like I explained earlier, David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and remember, how many of you remember and know that every word written in the Bible was under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit? This was not just David speaking. This was, the whole, this was God through the Holy Spirit speaking to every reader. And so what the Holy Spirit is teaching us, and David is teaching us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he interrupts the reader's life, and he calls them to praise, church. He interrupts the reader and calls them to celebrate the goodness and the greatness of God. He calls them to stop fretting and calls them to stop worrying, and he calls them to stop being anxious and and to begin to praise the Lord instead. Amen? He calls them to stop grumbling, and he calls them to stop complaining, and he, and he calls them to, to praise the Lord instead. Psalm 150, if you study it and you, and you read over it, church, what, what, the, what David and the Holy Spirit is trying to do is he's trying to awaken a spirit of praise within the reader. It's why 13 times in six short verses you hear the word praise him. And what the Spirit is trying to do in this passage of Scripture is to awaken our spirit to praise. Because how many of you know our spirits can fall asleep? Our spirits can grow still. Our spirits can can fall into a spiritual slumber. Amen? You know that. Our our spirits can be, be lulled away from praise. And what the Holy Spirit is trying to do, he's trying to awaken their spirit to praise, church. Listen, one of the, one of the problems that, that you find in so many churches, and I'm not talking about here, but one of the problems that you find in so many churches is that far too many individuals wait to wait till Sunday morning service or, or Wednesday night service before they begin to wake up their spirit to praise. They come into the house of God with no previous preparation, with no previous moving or no previous stirring, with no previous awakening, and they they walk into the house of God. Listen, and I'm not saying this to be condemning or negative, but they walk into the house of God with their spirits asleep. And it's why we have to pray, uh, play three songs or four songs or five songs in order to wake up somebody's spirit. Church, listen to me. I'm just as guilty of this as times. There's times when I've walked into the church, and it's, but i got to wait till the fourth song before I even feel my spirit start to wake up. The reality is when we walk through those doors, our spirit should already be awakened to praise. It's like I said earlier, as soon as your eyes open, God, I praise you for this day. I praise you that you gave me breath, and I praise you that you gave me life. I praise you that my eyes opened this morning, and my my lungs began to be filled with life. I praise you again. We ought to be praising before we walk out the door. Our spirit should be awakened to praise as soon as our body awakes and our mind awakes as well. But the sad reality and the sad truth is we'll come into the house of God with no previous preparation for praise and we think it's the, we think it's the, the music pastor's fault or, or we think it's the choir's fault or we think it's someone else's fault that I'm not being moved. When guess what? It's our fault. 
Because we have not taken the personal responsibility to awaken our spirits to praise. The reality is, listen, if you don't read a psalm every single day, uh, well, let me say it this way. If you want to be a great praiser, read a psalm every single day. That sounds better than the way I wanted to say it. If you want to be a great praiser, read Psalm 150 every single day, and it'll awaken your spirit to praise. There's so many passages, and we'll look at them over the next uh, couple weeks. There's so many passages, especially in the psalm, where the psalmist is trying to awaken our spirit to praise. And I'm telling you, it's what needs to happen in our lives. It needs to happen in our lives. But the sad reality is, far too often, too much gets in the way of our praise. I let things get in the way of my praise, church. Far too often, life gets in the way. Far too often, our schedule gets in the way. Far too often, emotions get in the way. The emotions of anger and the emotions of bitterness. and the emo- Far too often, emotions get in the way, church. Far too often, pride gets in the way. I don't want anybody to see me. I don't want anybody to laugh at me. What's somebody going to think? Well, that's the devil whispering that to you. Woo! We shouldn't care. We should be clamorously foolish. Listen, when, when it's time to praise and worship, when it's time to praise and worship, it's time to praise and worship. It's time to halal. Now, listen, when I'm preaching or pastor's preaching, we don't want 50 people jumping up, running around halaling the whole time he's trying to preach. Now, look, we'll take some amens, and we'll take some hallelujahs, and we'll take some shouts, but it could be distracting to have 50 people running all around the church while the pastor tried to preach. I've seen that. Somebody wanting to stir up revival when the man of God's preaching the Word of God. And we just got to be careful. I just don't know where that came from other than the Holy Spirit. And we just got to be careful, amen? But the the reality is far too often we allow things to get in the way of our praise, church. Circumstances and situations get in the way. And we find ourselves doing this. (laughs) Throwing up our hands. Throwing up attitudes. Throwing up grumbling. Throwing up complaining. How many ever done this? (laughs) That's not halal. That's not the spirit of praise. That's the spirit of frustration. That's the spirit of anxious, whatever you want to call it. But it's not the spirit of halal, and it's not the spirit of praise. And what the, what the Word is trying to teach us and the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us is that when we throw up our hands, it should be to throw it up in praise. It should be to throw it up in celebration. It should be to throw it up and bragging on our God and, and raving about our God and celebrating the greatness of our God. Listen, I've had to learn some of this myself. When I do this, and in all honesty, it means I've given up on God. It means I've not let God. I'm, I'm operating according to the wrong spirit. And the longer I dwell in that, the less I can praise the Lord. But the more I begin to praise the Lord, man, you know what happens. Listen, the Bible says that in in Psalm 22, that God is holy and he inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. 
Another interpretation says that he is enthroned with power upon the praises of his people, church. And I'll touch on that before I close. But I want to show you an example of the fact that, 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 that God is holy and that he inhabits the praises of his people. I want to show you a scripture verse and a passage in a story where we find that, that he is enthroned with power upon the praises of his people. And it's found in Acts 16, verses 22 to 26. And in this passage, you find a story about two men named Paul and Silas. My hope is that you all know that story, but if you don't, Paul and Silas were two disciples of Jesus Christ who were thrown into a prison cell because of their devotion to Jesus Christ, because of their clamorous foolishness in celebrating God, even out in public. And that's why they were thrown into prison. And this is what it says in those verses. Then the multitudes rose up together against them. And the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into a prison, commanding the jailer to keep them secure. Having received such a charge, the jailer put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet with stock. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and praising God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all of the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. And I pause right there just to show you and to speak on the power of praise. I stop there just for a moment to let you know that every time we praise, someone's listening. And if it's not those around us, it's God Almighty himself. But the reality is there is power in praise, not just for us, but for the listener as well. Because the Bible tells me when they began to praise, the entire jail began to shake. And the entire jail began to tremble. It tells me when two men under the anointing of God and within the spirit of God began to praise and began to halal. When they began to put on a demonstration of God's greatness and God's goodness. Something began to happen there and every prison door was open and everyone's chains fell free. Listen, when you praise God, it frees you and it has the power to free someone else as well. When you praise God, it has the power to open up your prison doors and open up the doors into someone else's life as well. This is what we have to understand. Our praise has the power to lift others up and encourage others, church, and lighten others' load. It has the power to set others free as well. If you know the story, and I'm going to start actually winding it down, but if you know the story... Paul and Silas were basically thrown into a, a giant septic tank under the prison jail. They were in the lower prison. And how many of you know back then, and I'm not going to get all gross, but back then they didn't have household plumbing, okay? So when you were in jail, you didn't have the luxuries to run to an outhouse. You didn't have the luxuries to run to some fine facility where you could relieve yourself. You had to do it right where you were. And the bottom cell, the bottom prison, is where everything leaked to. 
And that's where Paul and Silas were. They were in a prison. They were in a septic tank. They were beaten. They were battered. They were bleeding because of the case of Christ and because of the cause of Jesus Christ. And yet here in the scripture, we find a spirit of praise. We find a garment of praise in the middle of a septic tank because the word of God says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know where you're at this evening. I don't know how dark, how smelly, how dingy, how gross your your position or lot in life might be, but I will promise you this. If he showed up in in a septic tank where Paul and Silas were, he'll show up in your mess as well. He'll show up in your circumstance. He'll show up in your situation. There's no place too smelly, no place too dark that the power of praise can't fall. He inhabits the praises of his people. God, I've made too much of a mess. Praise him. It's too dark. Praise him. It's too smelly. Praise him. He'll inhabit the praises of his people, church. He inhabits the praises of his people. Listen to this. In the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of pain, in the middle of persecution, they began to halal. Their feet were tied, but their spirits weren't. Their feet were tied up. They were in a deep, dark, dingy dungeon cell, septic tank, but their spirits weren't tied up. Their spirits had the default position of praise. And if we could just learn to do that same exact thing, if we could learn to, to create this default position and attitude of praise in our life, church, it would change our lives. Here's what you need to understand In the midst of this septic tank, they began to praise their deliverer, and the deliverer showed up. They began to praise their deliverer, and their deliverer, guess what, delivered them. Amen? He didn't just show up and say, hey, good to see you, fellas. The deliverer showed up and delivered them, church. And if we could just understand this and if we could just grasp this, I'm telling you that if you're in a prison tonight, if you begin to praise your deliverer, he'll show up. But he won't just show up and say, hey, he'll show up and show off and he'll deliver you. If we could just learn to, to praise our provider in the midst of our lack, guess who show up? Our provider, Jehovah Jireh. And he'll begin to meet your needs according to his riches in glory. If you're struggling financially, begin to praise your provider. You get up in the morning, God, I praise you for the provisions you have in store. I praise you that, 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 that you're able to meet every need I have according to your riches in glory. You begin to praise your provider. And guess what? Your provider will show up. Amen. It may not be when you want him to. But he'll show up. If we could learn to praise our healer in the midst of our sickness, our healer will show up. And our healer will heal us, church, because he inhabits the praises of our people. If we could learn to praise our peace in the midst of our storm, 
And in the midst of our struggle, our peace will show up in the form of Jehovah Shalom. He'll give us peace. Amen? I mean, this is what the, the Word of God is trying to teach us. It's what, it's what Acts is trying to teach us with the story of Paul and Silas. That no matter what situation or circumstance we might find ourselves in, if we begin to praise the one we have need of, he'll show up and he'll show off. Amen. How many of you need God to show up in some area of your life? I'm just going to ask that you stand to your feet because I'm going to start bringing this to a close. If, if you need God to show up or show off in some area of your life, I'm just asking that you stand up this evening. Because he can meet you. He'll show up. Now, I'm not, look, we don't have all the musicians that we need and we don't have the singers that we need this evening to, to break out into a big, you know, half hour time of praise and worship which I know some of you would love, and I, and I don't have a problem with that. But my challenge and the Holy Spirit's challenge to you this evening is to let this week be a week of praise. Not five minutes of praise right here. He wants your week to be a week of praise. Then he wants your month to be a month of praise. Then he wants your year to be a year of praise. Listen, my wife and I decided that this year, is going to be a year of praise for us. Because last year, it was garbage. God was good, but everything around us just tried to soil our spirits and spoil our spirits and bring a spirit of heaviness and, and oppression upon us. And we decided this year, it's going to be a year of praise. I'm going to praise him in the morning. I'm going to praise him in the noontime. And I'm going to praise him when the sun goes down. I'm going to praise him if the sun don't come up. Woo! I'm going to praise him, church. Here's what it says, and this is what I close with. He says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let us extol him. Let us lift him up. Let us brag on him. Let us boast on him. Let us be clamorously foolish about his greatness. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. You see, God knows we need, we need him. God knows I need him in the circumstances and situations of life. And right here, he's giving me a recipe. Right here, he's giving me a, an understanding of how I receive what I have need of. And it's through praise. Yeah. Here's your instruction, church. Here's your instruction, son and daughter. If you have a need, praise me. And I'll show up because he inhabits the praises of his people. Here's the caveat. You have to be his. Have to be his. He inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of those that have been covered in the blood and bought in the blood. Who have believed in their heart. And confessed with their mouth that he is Jesus Christ, the, the son of the living God. That they believe that he is the, the precious lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, including yours and mine. He inhabits the praises of his people. doesn't say he inhabits the praises of people. He doesn't inhabit. Listen, he inhabits the praises of his people because his people are the only ones that can truly praise. The world can't praise. The world can't halal. 
uh, the, the, the society that we live in that's filled with crookedness and perversion, they can't halal the Lord, but he inhabits the praises of his people. And here's what I want to encourage you with this evening. You're his people. You're the sheep of his pasture. You're the children of his household. And if he wants to do anything for you, it's to meet your need. It's to bless you. It's to awaken that spirit of praise so that he might show up in whatever need or circumstance or situation that you have. That's the recipe for making it through life. That's the recipe for making it to glory. It's to have a default position of praise so that no matter what comes my way, if I praise him, I know he's going to show up. Amen? So here's what we do as I pray. You name in your prayer the area where you need God to reveal himself and show up, and then you begin to praise him in that area. If it's financial, praise him in that area. If it's marital, praise him in that area. If it's about a son or a daughter that, that's that's lost and needs to begin to praise him about his promise to bring them home. Begin to praise him for what God will do and promises to do. Praise him, church, and he'll show up. Amen? So let's just lift up a hand in, in a demonstration of us just praising God, and you pray with me. You know, Don't repeat after me. Just pray in your own heart and in your own spirit. But Father God, I thank you tonight, God, for your word. I thank you for your divine instruction into each and every one of our lives, God. I, I thank you and I praise you for who you are and all that you've done for each and every one of us, God. I, I praise you that we are your children, God. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you want to meet every need that we have according to your riches and glory. I thank you that we don't have to go through life alone. I thank you, Father God, that just like you showed up in a septic tank, with Paul and Silas, you can show up in any circumstance or situation of life we might find ourselves in right now, God. Our marriage might be messy, but you can show up there. God, our household might be messy, but you can show up there. My finances, God, they might be a stinking mess, but you can show up there. God, my workplace, it might seem like, like it's straight out of hell, but I thank you you can show up there, God. God, I thank you that you have the power to intervene in every circumstance and situation, and I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. God, so that's what my prayer is tonight, God, that we would leave here with an understanding of halal, of what it means to be people of praise. God, that we would be marked with praise when we leave this place. That, God, we would be filled with praise when we leave this place. That when we wake up every morning, when we walk along the way, when we lie our heads back down on the pillow, God, that we would be people of praise. God, teach us to praise our provider so we might be provided for. Help us to praise you as healer so that we might be healed. Help us to praise you as your protector so that we might be protected throughout the day. Help us to praise you as our forgiver and our redeemer so that we might be forgiven every day. God, I pray that you would help us each and every day to take off the, 
the grungy garments of grumbling and complaining and, 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 and whining and negativism, God, and that we would put on a garment of praise and thanksgiving instead. I pray, God, that when we go through life, people would be able to look at us and see the markings of praise, that they would hear it in our voice, that they would see it in our countenance, and that they would sense it with our presence, God. I thank you for this word tonight. I pray that it would find a fertile place within the soil of our soul and that it would have the power to transform us, God, into your likeness and into people of praise. So God, as we go, go with us. God, as we sleep, let us sleep sound. God, when we wake up in the morning, help us to be grateful for all that you've done for us and for another day. God, meet every need that we have tonight, God. Turn situations and circumstances around for your glory and for your people's betterment. We thank you. We love you. We're careful to give you all the praise. And everyone said, amen. Can we just bless him, praise him? How about a hallelujah tonight, amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Go and be clamorously foolish for God this week. And we see you on Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen.